It's good to be in talking ball, Jeff. We're excited for this week's episode of the podcast and um, two great interviews that we'll have later in the show. Rick Cleveland, the 11-time sports writer of the year for the state of Mississippi. We get to spend, I think, around 20, 25 minutes with uh, Rick. And then the head coach for Mandeville, the Skippers, come over Friday night to Popperville. And so we wanted to kind of find out exactly what Mandeville's about. And so we got a chance to visit with their head coach, Coach Gonzalez, for about seven to ten minutes. So two good interviews uh, later on in this episode. We won't have a long roundtable, but we will have a discussion here just to kind of get uh, locally caught up in high school football and also community college football. Let's start on the community college level. Pearl River with a big win last week. Uh, late in the game, have a touchdown uh, catch by Jalen Wilson, 35-31. to They beat Itawamba up at Itawamba. And so a huge win for Coach Edgar and the Wildcats last week. Yep, and everybody wants to start the season off 1-0, of course. This is the first game of the season. Uh, Coach Edgar, we've had him on the podcast before, had him. Uh, matter of fact, he was down for the Pitchkin Classic hosted by Coastal Electric and Mississippi Power. Uh, that we were a part of and, and got some soundbite from Coach Edgar from that. And he was talking about his team and, uh, you know, see y'all at Itawamba was his last statement uh, from that preview. And, uh, and a good showing, 35-31, uh, it's a lot of points put on the board for PRCC. Uh, of course, there were some mistakes made for it to be that close of a ball game late. Uh, but then they have a game coming up this week, Clay. They face East Mississippi, which I'm going to say something that if you're an East Mississippi fan listening or if you're listening throughout the state and no Mississippi Juco football, you haven't heard this in a while, a long while. East Mississippi is 0-1 to start the season when they play PRCC this week. Yep, that's uh, pretty unreal. Some shocking results uh, last week. East, of course, one of those with that 24-16 loss uh, to Hines and uh you really don't want to be the team after that that's type right. of performance, but that's who PRCC will be, and they'll go make that long journey uh, from Popperville to Scuba and take on the East Mississippi Lions. But if their quarterback, Terrence Humphrey, can do what he did last week, they'll be just fine as he accounted uh, for 254 yards through the air and had four touchdowns for the Wildcats. So uh, Humphrey with a great week, and if he can duplicate that, he certainly – gives his Wildcats a chance against the Lions from East Mississippi. Another shocking score last week was Jones. Jones lost as well. So Pearl River Community College, they look up a win, then you get in the locker room, you start looking around at scores, you say, hmm, East got beat. East, uh, and then you look around, Jones gets beat. That's a pretty good week. And then uh, locally to us, a guy that had a big week, Austin Bolton, tailback for Mississippi Gulf Coast. I believe he had three touchdowns uh, for Mississippi Gulf Coast in their win. A guy that was a, a extremely good high school tailback there in Popperville, and it's his sophomore season for Mississippi Gulf Coast. So we personally will be pulling hard for AB I, over there. I think he was the player of the week uh, after that them touchdown runs too for Austin. That's exactly right. He certainly uh, was more local even to us. Picking with a big win, Jeff over Deiverville, convincing fashion. It was thirty-six to zip at the half, and they win it 41-6. to six. Thomas, the tailback that we've talked to, uh, we talked to Adam Feely after 
the spring game, he had a huge spring game. We talked to Coach Steigner a week ago. He said, you know, this kid's going to be pretty good, and he was over 200 yards rushing. Jalen Hall had a big week. That defensive line looks legit. Picayune, all the pub and hype uh, kind of surrounding this team looks to be worn, and they're going to be a heck of a ball club, and they've got Meridian coming to Picayune this week. Yeah, Picayune big and physical. They've Picayune's been known to be physical, and they've always been big. Uh, you know, this is we talked to Coach uh, Stogner last week, as you mentioned, brought up the Coach Dodd Lee situation, things that's going on there, sentimental things going in the locker room. Cody said, hey, it's we're playing football. We'll think about that after the season. Picayune showed that with a big, like you said, 41-6 win over Iverville. And like you mentioned, Meridian's coming to town. Meridian's off of a loss as well. Hancock traveled up to Meridian this past Friday and beat Meridian. Hancock sets 2-0 as well. So Meridian's going to be coming in. Uh, it's a long way to travel. We'll see how the have to see how the kids uh, manage that coming down from Meridian on a Friday night for a seven o'clock kickoff. So all them little factors uh, can play can play a role Friday night here at uh, in Picayune. Yep, and that trip may seem even longer back if Picayune is what I think they are going to be uh, from all accounts is uh, just a huge team size wise, and so. Going to be a long trip here. Could be even a longer trip back to Meridian. You brought up Coach Lawler and Hancock. Certainly 2-0 start. Very good uh, for those Hawks. Happy for Coach Lawler. One of those first wins was against Pearl River Central. We'll talk about them now. They're now 0-2 on the year after Popperville was able to upend them 42-17 at PRC. That draws Popperville to 1-1, one one, PRC now 0-2. Yep, and then PRC has a tough Lawrence County coming into town this week. Uh, Lawrence County, no stranger to us as broadcasters as we follow Popperville Hornets uh, each and every week. Uh, but Lawrence County sets 2-0, and uh, and they coming into PRC to face the Blue Devils, setting it 0-2. And there were some things, uh, if, you, if you were at the game listening or, or, or watching the game live or listening at home uh, to the broadcast, you could – uh, you, there were some things that PRC was doing well at times, but it was just too much to overcome when you've got a defensive uh, – you know, th- we talked about the defensive ends for Popperville because we're going to talk about Popperville here in a minute, but Khalid Moore, Devin Hart uh, for Popperville defense just seemed to be a little too much up front defensively for the Popperville Hornets. And I think PRC is going to see a similar tight ball club with the intensity on defense coming in this Friday night with Lawrence County. Yep, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. If you describe Lawrence County makes that trip down, I believe it's homecoming uh, for the Blue Devils, and they certainly don't want to go 0-3. A bright spot for them this past week was the way that Ty Heron ran the football. Right. He was very impressive from that fullback spot in that wing tee. He's, he's not really what, what we would describe. It, when you hear fullback and you're listening to a broadcast or a podcast, you're probably thinking a bigger guy. Ty's not that, but he's creative in the hole. He's got a beautiful spin move. He's got good instincts. Went for over 100 rushing yards last week. Advanced a very stingy defensive line for Popperville. So a bright spot there in that wing T offense. Now let's turn our attention to Popperville. Popperville now 1-1 one and one after that win that we just described at Carrier. Chase Shears touched it four times, scored on three of those. That's the talented tailback that we hopefully will be talking about week in and week out until early December. He's that kind of talent. He's a senior year. He's very, very good, Jeff. And then you look at Blaze Breerwood, the way he responded. After a tough start, 
Um, his senior year had a tough night against Laurel. Everybody uh, said that. Blazes said that. He responds. Had two touchdowns on the ground, one through the air. The senior quarterback getting it done. Yep, and the one to in the air was two chase years uh, in the end zone uh, through a perfect pass. Uh, you know, and Blaze, you know, he struggled a little bit week one, and he'll tell you that, that he struggled a little bit week one against Laurel. Laurel brought in a team, uh, you know, and there was the conditions was wet, the ball was slippery. It was just a sloppy atmosphere. First game jitters out the way. He picked his head up high this ball game on the road in another hostile environment going down the Pearl River Central. Blaze had a tremendous game from the senior. And and then there again, I'm, you throw it back to the defense too, as I mentioned, Khalid Moore, Devin Hart uh, on that defensive end side. Matter of fact, I think Khalid Moore was the Pete's plumbing pipe-busting hit of the game. And then I think Chase Shears got the Devs pizza player of the game right there. We was a toss-up, could have went to uh, – Blaze could have went to Chase – uh, gave it to uh, gave it to Chase right there, but a uh, big big uh, big game for Popperville. Blaze come in as you said, the senior quarterback uh, signal caller picked his head up from week one to week two, and a, a very very uh, great out- outcome. Yep, and Coach Beach, the way he schedules a broadcaster's dream as we get to follow this team every Friday night, and he's playing up out of region, and he'll continue that trend as Mandeville from the North Shore. Going to make the trip over across the Louisiana state line and come see the Popperville Hornets. And, uh, Jeff, this is going to be an interesting matchup. You'll hear an interview just in in minutes with Coach Gonzalez, the head coach for the Mandeville Skippers, and and you'll kind of get a sense of who they are and what they're about. But if listeners want to listen to that ballgame, if they can't make it to the nest in Popperville and they want to hear that broadcast, can you tell them how they can find our call? Yeah, so they can – uh, go into your app store, whether you have an Android or iPhone, uh, download a free app, MixLR, M-I-X-L-R. You don't have to create an account. You don't have to do anything like that. Just download the app and go into the search menu when you open the app and search Talking Ball Y'all, all lowercase, all one word, and it will take you straight to the home page, and you can listen live as we go in there at 630 for the Diamond Productions pregame show. Yep, can't wait to call that. I think you'll have a better sense of that ball game after hearing this interview with Coach Gonzalez. Following the Coach Gonzalez interview, man, this always just tickles me. It's a, a kick in the pants anytime we get to visit with Rick Cleveland, and we'll have that opportunity. We visit with him for about 20 to 25 minutes. We talk football, we talk golf in the state of Mississippi, and then at the very end, we talk Atlanta Braves baseball. And so that's what you have in store for you as a listener. We appreciate uh, you listening to the podcast, however you found us. Thank you. Are you looking for a place for your whole family to belong? Come and join us at Goodyear Baptist Church. We're located at 2710 Highway 43 South, just past Memorial Gardens. We have great ministries for all ages. If you're looking for something refreshing in life, if you're looking for a hope that lasts forever, if you want to experience the love of Christ, come check out GBC. Sunday morning growth group at 9.45 a.m. and worship at 11. Find us online at GoodyearBaptistChurch.com. Come as you are. There's a place for you. Come grow with us. Your family's health is our mission. At Highland Community Hospital and in partnership with Forest Health Systems, we offer a wide range of healthcare options. The Highland Center for Women's Health provides total obstetrical and gynecological care for women of any age. Our goal is quality care for you and your family. 
through the compassionate application of advanced medicine. Highland Community Hospital, the best choice for your family. Whether you're hungry for seafood, po'boys, or salads, go see Kelly's Po'boys located in Picune and proudly serving Pearl River County for nearly 20 years. It's a little bit of New Orleans right here in Picune. We're privileged enough tonight to be joined by the head football coach over at Mandeville High School, and of course that's who Popperville will have coming to their place, and it's actual, actually Mandeville season opener this year, and uh, Coach Gonzalez, we know it's uh, week one, and these are precious moments, so we appreciate stealing some time with you tonight. Well, I appreciate y'all having me. Coach, let's just kind of give the listeners, uh, of course, we're, we're located here in Picune. We are the Friday night crew uh, for Popperville radio-wise. So the two-part, uh, I wanted to have you on so the Popperville fans could kind of get a taste of uh, what was coming to their place on Friday night. And then uh, once Micah uh, Hickman kind of provided your information, just your background is pretty interesting as well. So if we could start there, Coach Gonzalez, your second year there with the Skippers, kind of give our listeners your football background, was an all-conference wide receiver at Southeastern, and then that led to per some, to professional football as well. Yeah, it was kind of um, kind of an unlikely <clears throat> career choice, honestly. I, I, I was a good, you know, little league and junior high football player, and I was – I mean, I got to high school. I was tall, and um, you know, I was encouraged to play football, but it just, uh, it just wasn't something I did. I was a, a three-sport athlete and just didn't play football. And uh, my senior year, kind of got pushed into going to play football and played wide receiver. And lo and behold, I was a little bit taller and faster by then, and ended up being pretty good. And and you know, uh, had the opportunity to go over to Southeastern and there for three years and had a good career and um you know had my opportunities that runs at the nfl shortly and then ended up in the cfl and Saskatchewan playing for the rough riders up there and um finished up up there i had an injury and cut my career a little bit short and came home and and you know rehab and just stayed in shape really kind of just playing flag football and running around and ended up getting signed by the new orleans voodoo when they brought the arena league back in, uh in 2011 so i played a year over there and just fun man just, i just fell in love with football coached all the time in between there and and um you know enjoyed doing that as a volunteer um and then you know got done volunteering and got done playing and had my own business, started a family, and decided that coaching was a career choice that I wanted to make and got into it full-time. And I've been extremely fortunate to end up in the position I am as quickly as I have because really it's only been about, you know, full-time coaching five years and uh, have ended up in a, in a really good position. And, and I attribute a lot of that to, you know, getting in with the right people a lot of times. Coach, we've heard you say there a wide receiver is your background. And then um, when you look at the the difference in the Arena League and CFL, how does that affect the way that uh, your offense is run, or does it at all? What what type of offense uh, do you like to run there at Mandeville, and what is that based out of? Well, you know, I, I was always a play caller, um, and, you know, I'm an offensive-minded 
head coach and I started as an offensive coordinator. I really started as a receiver, but obviously, and then quarterbacks and then uh, offensive coordinator. But, you know, being from that mindset and playing, playing for the guys that I played for, Hal Mummy, mm. who was the inventor of the air raid, was my head coach in college. Mm. Um, you know, so I came from a system where we threw the ball 60 times a game sometimes. Um, so you kind of always look at it from that end of the spectrum when you, when you come out of that kind of system. Um, really spread a spread got for the longest time and, and kind of fell in love with the run game as I, as I progressed as a head coach and really found the benefits of it, whereas before I didn't see it at all. Uh, so I would say we're definitely spread, but um, we certainly aren't the air raid in the sense that we're not going to line up and, and throw it 60 times a game. I just think that's too much for a high school quarterback to shoulder, and we don't want to put a young kid in that kind of situation. Coach, when we look at um, what Mandeville is going to have in the backfield, maybe one of the reasons you're going to hand it off some too is the back and uh, Diaz that I've read some and seen some clips on. Kind of tell us about your senior tailback, if you would. Well, he is um, he is the definition of the word dynamic. You know, he's just close. He, he's, uh, he's phenomenal. I think I said he's phenomenal in the weight room. You know, he's 37, 38-inch vertical and, and, and is extremely tough. He's very... Uh, you know, he's good out the back, so he catches the ball well. He wants ball, uh, you know, 30, 35 times a game. He doesn't ever complain. He's never going to be the guy who comes off and says, you know, coach and tired. He, you know, he turn kicks, his tongue on. He's just dynamic. He's, he's, a, he's a, a solid little high school running back. And coach, and then at the quarterback uh, position, if you kind of give us some insight on what y'all will look like uh, there when y'all make the trip over on Friday night. We are uh, we're very fortunate. We have a guy who came in and started for us as a sophomore last year. So he'll be a junior for us this year. His name is Devon Tott, and he's a uh, you know he's a he's a six three um, six three kid with a good strong arm. He's uh, he's really starting to understand what we're trying to do in our system. Um, you know he's making the reads better. He's sneaky athletic in the sense that he he can make you a play if you need him to. He's you know. Um, we don't ask him to do a whole lot of that stuff uh, as far as running, you know, running the ball goes. But he uh, he can if, he, if it's necessary, and we're just really pleased to have him back for another year, and then you know for the following year after this, because we really feel like he's developing into the quarterback that we need him to be right now. Coach, when you look at this matchup, y'all are coming across, of course, from the North Shore there over to Popperville. Tell us kind of how this matchup took place and then uh let's after that we'll ask you about it being y'all's first game opposed to being popperville's a uh, third game as we're visiting with manderville's head coach coach gonzalez um you know it's funny because i'm actually extremely familiar with the popperville picayune area uh, all that hancock county and i um uh, i did a lot of work out there before i was a full-time coach and uh you know, you know, a lot of guys in Picayune actually worked at a granite shop out there for years. Uh, and so I know what kind of football they play up there, and I know what goes on at Picayune High School and those surrounding areas. You know, Coach Lee and what, what they've been able to do up there. And just that kind of, uh, you know, that kind of smash-mouth, tough, hard-nosed kid that likes to play football up there and uh, how everybody's kind of replicated that. So um, I'm familiar with Poplarville in that sense. And then, uh, you know, with Micah being from Picayune and going up there uh, last year, him and I have remained friends because uh, he was 
he was still at Mandeville when I was taking over. Okay. And so, uh, yeah, so when he moved over to Poplarville and told us he was going, you know, he and I actually sat in the office on several occasions and talked about the wing key and, and mm. how, you know, maybe they could implement some, some pass game stuff into it. Uh, you know, when, when he got up there and I guess he, you know, he got with coach and they, they started talking about it and he said, Hey, this might be a good matchup. And he actually gave me a shot and said, Hey, would y'all, would y'all want to play a game next year? And we had week one open. And I said, yeah, man, let's, you know, let's get together. It ought to be, it, you know, it, it's a good enough trip for us to where it'll feel like, you know, you want to prepare yourself going into the postseason and we feel comfortable we can make a postseason run and we want to have those kids get on that bus and go to a to a, a playoff environment, which, uh, you know, Popperville definitely affords. And it's an hour and 10-minute ride. And, it's a, you know, it's a, I just think it's really advantageous for us to be able to get over there early in the season and play a, a, a really solid opponent in a, in a really – solid environment like that coach when you look at it being y'all's first opposed to popperville's third does the jamboree last week kind of take care of some of those concerns yeah it doesn't it doesn't you know a jamboree is a jamboree and no matter how much you hype it up the kids still realize it's a jamboree <laughs> and it doesn't count for the schedule right. you know it doesn't count against or for you you know so um it's tough to it's it, you know, we know that they're they're going to be game ready. You know, they've played through, and we were fortunate enough to be able to go up there uh, week one and watch them play against Lowell, uh, our whole staff. Uh, we, we scrimmaged on a Thursday and went up there on a Friday and watched. And I mean, what a great what a great atmosphere, mm. you know, for that game. And and um, really, you know, kind of a good look for us. We were able to watch watch them play against a, a, an offense that looks a little bit more like us because most of the teams up there are wing fit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so to be able to, to soak in what what they do and, you know, yeah, it, it, it's definitely a challenge for us knowing that they've got a couple games of experience under their belt. We're going out there fresh, man. We're going to have all our first game hitters and we're going to make those first game mistakes and hopefully we can overcome those things and, you know, and get up there and compete at a high level. Coach, when you look at it, you know, in boxing they always say styles make fights, and this certainly should be that Friday night. As you've mentioned, what y'all are going to run, you've mentioned the wing tee uh, several times. When you're preparing for this, of course, y'all have got uh, week two. I know y'all have got a very healthy, good opponent week two. And so do you spend like a ton of time trying to prepare for the wing tee, or, or do you just give it a little I – mean, what's the preparation when you're going against something that you may not see – a whole lot when you get back across the state line. Yeah, you know, that's a tough situation as well because, um, you know, it's just not something that we're going to see probably at any point in the rest of our season. We just That's just not the way the game is. Even as close in proximity as we are, we don't play the game the same way, um, oddly enough. It's just a different – that's a different little – area right there that little nucleus that plays at that south mississippi football and it's great football but it's hard for us to say let's dedicate a ton of time to learning the wing team now fortunately for us it is a week one situation where we can dabble it in here and there in our preparation for the season and feel comfortable that we've seen it but it's never the same as seeing a game speed you know so it's it's really hard. You don't want to spend so much time on it because it's like you're not going to use it again until next year. 
you know, after this week. So you got to kind of manage your, manage that situation and manage that time. Um, and we're fortunate that we do have a defensive coordinator who's, who's got some familiarity with it. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely have to, we had to find a balance because we know that after week one, we're going to be seeing a lot more offenses that look just like us. Coach, man, I know this is precious time on game week. We especially uh, thank you. We appreciate uh, Micah Hickman for giving us the connection, and thanks for the insight, Coach. We look forward to meeting you on Friday night. Yes, sir. Well, I appreciate y'all having me, and we look forward to seeing y'all. Thank you, Coach. All right. If you're looking to insure a new house, car, or motorcycle, give Advantage Insurance Company a call at 601-749-8790 or go by and see Shauna Oder or any one of her friendly agents and let them go to work for you. Advantage Insurance is located at 4201 Highway 11 North in Picayune. Whether you've hit a home run or a foul ball, for all your real estate law and closing needs, call Cruise Law at 1-769-242-2500. That number again is 1-769-242-2500. Call Bill Cruz at Cruise Law. Hey folks, if you need that special sweet treat for birthdays, anniversaries, or just because, stop by and see our friends at Katie Cake and Company. They are located at 109 West Canal Street in Picayune. Let Katie Cake and Company satisfy your sweet tooth. Shh, your scale will never have to know. Rick, I know you wrote an article uh, recently on both of the topics we'll kind of stretch out and talk about uh, tonight. I just wanted to get your thoughts, Jeff and I did, on the crazy opening weekend of uh, college football and uh, everything from what your article covered to a refrigeration 18-wheeler truck to Jackson State's mascot ending up on the field and drawing a penalty. Just a wild weekend. It was a, it was a crazy, crazy weekend of college football. It really was. But, uh, and I didn't think I – I mean, you know, after the refrigeration players – uh, I didn't. Th- I didn't think I'd see anything stranger than that. And then the Dadgum Jackson State mascot goes out on the field, <laughs> tries to re- tries to wrestle oh, the ball man. away from one of his team, one of his players, and one of the opposing team's players. And the referee pushes him away, and he just goes right back in there. And the, the really beautiful thing about it, and if anybody who hadn't seen it, they need to Google it and watch yes, it. Yes, they do. Uh, is that uh, when he got over to the sideline and the team had been penalized, and it was the big turning point in the game, he acted like the proudest guy in the stadium. <laughs> yes, he did. <laughs> oh, mercy. Un- un- unbelievable. Yeah, and that's not to even mention a, a head coach coaching from a, a hospital bed, too, Rick. Yeah, that was weird. Uh, you know, and I I understand why people say that Hugh was just – we're talking about Hugh Freeze, uh-huh. why he was – a lot of people are saying he was just trying to get attention, and uh, I don't know. He's one of the most competitive guys I've ever known. I think he wanted a big part of it, and – and two, I think he's at a place right now where he's got to try to get attention somehow. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, good point. Yep, absolutely. He, he, I, I guarantee you, Liberty could 
win their next five games and not get as much attention as they got from that nationally. Yeah, that's a good uh, point. You know, but it was uh, it it made for an it made for a really interesting Saturday, and that's not even taking into account some of the weird weird coaching decisions. I don't know. Were y'all watching the North Carolina South Carolina game? I was not, Rick. I didn't see that one. Well, North Carolina basically had the game salted away. They had the ball at midfield. Uh, and Mac Brown, who I covered when he was a wide receiver coach at Southern Miss, uh, Mac miscalculated on the amount of seconds that would be left if they just took a knee. And they took a knee, and then South Carolina had 10 seconds left from midfield to, to try to win the game. <laughs> Mercy. It, was, it was like a rookie mistake from one of the oldest coaches in, uh, in college football. Uh, I, I, was, I was pretty shocked by that one. Well, then I but saw y'all you. And... Me, y'all, y'all, are the, y'all are the show, guys. You, you ask me what you want to know. <laughs> Well, I saw you and Coach Perry. I forget which game it was, but it was an obvious go for two point situation, and that didn't happen either. Yeah, that was. I'm trying to. Think that was Auburn. Game. That was Auburn after the freshman quarterback let them down to score. Yeah, why in the world would they not go go for two? It could have, you know. Again, it could have bit them in the butt. Uh, as it turned out, they it, it didn't cost them, but. Uh, it was an obvious go for two situation. Uh, I, I I tweeted something about it. Then several Mississippi high school coaches tweeted about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, said yeah, yeah. He must not have looked at his, uh, you know, his his guide on that. You know, every coach has a guide of when you when you go for two and when you don't that you carry in your pocket. Absolutely. And uh, apparently, uh, Gus didn't look at his. <laughs> Rick, when you look at uh, the week that's coming up, another recent article, I believe I saw it today, was the uh, matchup between Southern Miss and Mississippi State. And I believe you you went back and ranked, I I believe it was the top six or eight games in that uh, series. And I just wanted to ask you, uh, I'm going to look back a week to Southern Miss pass opponent. And anytime you see Alcorn State on, or anytime I see him on the field, I immediately think of, uh, Steve Ayer McNair, and I just wanted you to kind of tell our listeners what he must have been like to cover in college. Oh, he's the he's the most exciting college football player I ever covered, you know, and that includes Reggie and Reggie Collier, Brett Favre, Archie Manning, uh, a lot of Dak Prescott, but but Steve was uh, he was he was the whole show, man. He was unbelievable. And they were never, ever out of a ball game. Uh, they could be 28 down going into the uh, fourth quarter, and he found a way somehow to get them back. Uh, just running, throwing, uh, leadership abilities. Uh, 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 the best the best all-around athlete that, uh, that I covered was, was Steve. And I'll tell you what, now. That that present all foreign quarterback is not bad. No, he is not. Noah Johnson, is, a good player. He is a really, really good player. I mean, and and 
he's nowhere near Steve McNair. But he is a really, really good player who could be playing, I think, at, at, uh, at Southern Miss or Mississippi State or Ole Miss or, or any of them. I mean, I think he's that good. But he's been the back-to-back back player of the year, hasn't he? Yep, offensive player of the year. That's correct. And, and you could see, I mean, he had uh, Southern Miss's defense, a very talented defense, just kind of worn out there from chasing him around and his playmaking ability. Oh, if he if he didn't have the mobility he had, he, he very well might be a, uh, in the hospital right now. <laughs> yeah, because they were coming after him, uh, and he just uh, he did, he he has that ability to uh, make up for a, a lot of other uh, deficiencies your team may have, like lack of pass protection, uh, which I'm afraid. I'm afraid might be a problem for Southern Miss uh, Saturday. Uh, with uh, I'm, I'm not sure unless that offensive line improves a whole lot over seven days' time that uh, that uh, Jack Abraham's going to have much time to throw against State. No, you're right, Rick. And when you look at the way Mosley hurt early in that one and then not yeah. able to run the football against Alcorn, it certainly doesn't. Uh, help your when Watkins has to sit that matchup from offensive line to defensive line uh, certainly in Mississippi State's favor on Saturday. Oh, huge, huge right now. I, th- I think Southern's defense is going to be a heck of a test for uh, State, and I think they can keep keep Southern Southern Miss in the game, but they're going to have to uh, improve dramatically up front. And, and they're going to need some running back to come through. I kept looking for Mayberry. Does anybody know what happened to him? No, I know that McGee put a story out yesterday on exactly what's going on with Mayberry, and I haven't read it yet. So we can both go find that, and we'll both know. Because yeah. I know McGee, uh, Patrick McGee put a story out about uh, just that question, where is he and what's going on. Well, he's a, he is a talented guy who has some shape and can uh, and can make people miss, and uh, maybe even as maybe even as much as Mosley has. But uh, I, I and the last guy they put in actually looked like maybe the best best threat they had. Uh, Kemp is that his name? I want to say it was D Baker, but I could be mistaken. No, no, D Baker played. D Baker played earlier in okay. the game. Okay. And D and D Baker has got a great future, but I'm just not sure uh, that he's big enough and strong enough right now to to play against uh, State. He's certainly the fastest back Southern has. You'd be tempted to figure out a way to get it to Adam some kind of way after after the way he performed on Saturday too. Well, I would, I would think, just from watching the game, that there's some things that they might have held back. Uh, you know, Adams last year, before he got hurt, was really, really good on that uh, jet sweep coming around from the uh, split position. And, and they didn't really use that. I, I, I would think they're going to have to do some mis- They're going to have to do some misdirection and stuff like that. Uh, to get him in the open field and 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 I think try to get the ball to D Baker in the open field as well. 
Once again, we're visiting with legendary sports writer and columnist in uh, Mississippi, Rick Cleveland, on the Pit Lane Oil Change Hotline. And, and Rick, you know, we, we talked Southern Miss. We talked uh, about what happened at Alcorn. We talked a little bit about this coming up weekend. I want to I touch on another game that happened just north of Oxford across the state line in Memphis um, with the Rebels and the Memphis Tigers. Memphis was favored in that ball game, and then they come out winning that ball game. What, what, what advice, I guess, I know you've, you've, you've researched and looked at this game and, and had some stuff to say and write about, but what, what, is, what is in store for Rebel fans? Is it time to abandon ship, or is it time to stick it out after one game to start the season? Well, you know, I thought there were a lot of positives for Ole Miss in that game. I mean, the defense is obviously much improved. I think what Memphis averaged about 38 or 40 points a game mm-hmm. last year. They got, a, they got a lot of people back. Uh, and Ole Miss, you know, held them to 15 points. I thought they played pretty well on defense. Offensively, they've got some of the same problems that Southern Miss has. Like, they just couldn't block up front. Uh, and I, I didn't think Matt Corral had a very good game either. Uh, and I think he's going to be better than that. But he, he didn't, he did not play well against Memphis. On the other hand, guys, I don't think, I don't really think that, uh, that Arkansas is as good a football team as Memphis and Ole Miss has them at home. And I, I, I tell you one thing, if Ole Miss doesn't win this game, mm. It could be a long, long season. Yeah, it could be. And you kind of look, I mean, the SEC, we're so used to be dominant up top and then all the way uh, to the bottom. It doesn't have that look after week one. I mean, certainly they're going to be top heavy, but maybe through the middle and that bottom end of the SEC, not what it, what we're used to seeing. Yeah, I, I, I think I think that's correct. I, I – uh... Boy, I mean, you look at ten, you look at Tennessee. Mm. I mean, they, I mean, they didn't just get beat by <laughs> Georgia State. They got, they got physically whipped. Yes, they did. Mm. Well, yeah, I mean, I, mean <laughs> I was shocked. I mean, it, it was like they just, if you, if you switched the uniforms around, yeah. you were said, well, that's what's supposed to happen yeah. when an SEC team plays Georgia State. Because they really, <laughs> they took it to them. It's so funny with these buy games, too, with the amount of money exchanged. You can really be embarrassed on the field and then before and after the fact with the amount of money that's exchanged. Well, you, know, you know, Rick, and you look at their schedule, Tennessee. They have BYU coming up and then Chattanooga, but then it starts Georgia, Florida. I mean, you know, it starts the SEC teams, and that, mm-hmm. that wasn't a pretty execution on Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it, it looks it – looks uh, it looks bad for them right now, and and uh, I think it's at this point you might start you got to start wondering about coaching some with them because you know Tennessee's got better players than that. I mean, I would think they do. I mean, if, if they don't, it's the first time in Tennessee history they don't. You know, absolutely. And then you look at what Cutcliffe has been able to do over at Duke, uh, Rick, and just. As you kind of look back and and see what he's achieved at Duke, just how good a football coach you think he is? He's one. He's one of the best I've ever covered. Uh, I wrote the day Ole Miss fired him that it was a 
as big a mistake as I'd ever seen. And uh, uh, I think it's proven to be that, too. I mean, I know everybody will say, well, yeah, but we went to the Sugar Bowl. But look look at what that cost you. Mm. You know, uh, I think David would have been a guy who, as long as he was there, he would average eight, eight and a half games, victories a year, jump up to ten every once in a while, and maybe have an off year where you fall down to five. But, uh, but... But I think he was the, uh, I think he was the right guy at Ole Miss. I wish he was still there. Yeah. Well, you know, Rick, and you said that about Cutcliffe and Ole Miss, but you could say the same thing about Jeff Bauer up at Southern too. Oh, I've written, I've written it a million times. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, I don't know if Jeff would still be coaching, but he would have coached for a lot longer and won a lot more games if they hadn't done what they did. You know, uh, he was. I went to school with Jeff at, at uh, Southern. I covered him as a player, then an assistant coach, and, and then as the head coach. And he uh, he was he was he was an, he did an amazing job at Southern Miss. And if you if people in Mississippi don't realize, a lot of people in Mississippi don't realize how he is uh, he was perceived across the country. I mean, he 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 had the reputation across the country of, of being a really really good football coach. Yeah, that kind of showed Rick with his. I believe it was last year or the year before where he was appointed to the BCS uh, committee or the advisory uh, role. Um, so that kind of thought showed what people across the nation thought of him. Oh yeah, he was, Jeff was a, he was a terrific coach, and y'all are way too young to remember it, but he was a terrific quarterback as well. Yeah, some of the memories of just writing that uh, that article that you wrote, just reading today, um, the Florida State, I, I remember it as the Florida State game, which is funny because it was Southern Miss and Mississippi State. But as a, I guess I was nine in the stands, and State wins that ball game on the campus of Southern Miss. But yeah. at Southern Miss, we had gotten just smart enough in the stands that we were doing the, the chop for Florida State coming off that win, and then State yeah. comes back and wins it, and they return a favor. I'll never, I'll never forget that. That was a, a, a stinging memory to reread that this morning. I said, "Man, I could have skipped this column." Well, that was a big, uh, that was a big win for Rocky Felker. It wasn't quite enough to save his job, but it was a huge victory for him and for Mississippi State at the time, because Southern had utterly dominated that series for a dozen years before that you know and uh and was a i think they were southern was a 10 point favorite or something like that in the game Hmm. and uh and it was uh, another facet of that that i didn't bring up and what i wrote recently was that uh you know jim rocky had hired jim carmody as his defensive coordinator and when when State won the game, uh, when the guy kicked the winning field goal, both Rocky and Jim Carmody got a ride off the field on the players' shoulders. Mm-hmm. I've never seen that before. Two coaches uh, carried off the field. And then one of the other games you highlighted is being a Pearl River Community College guy to highlight Coach Daniels' uh, play calling, who, of course, was uh, the head coach at PRCC. 
uh, at years after that. But that that was a, a, a neat memory and a, a cool drive that you um, put in the column as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll never I'll never forget uh, interviewing Keith after that game because uh, uh, I mean he was just he was trying to talk, but he was sobbing, hmm. and he won. Yeah, you know, I mean it was such a gut wrenching ninety eight yard against the clock with your second string quarterback. Uh, the starter had gone out, and uh, and and just a really, you know, just a gutsy drive. And uh, I remember when Shelton Gandy ran around left end for that touchdown. Uh, for the game winning touchdown, it was that was a huge win for Southern at the time. Neat stuff. All right, Rick, we're gonna shift gears a little bit with you, and uh, we're gonna take uh, talk golf in the state of Mississippi. We've got the Sanderson Farms uh, Championship that's less than a month away, and then we've had it, some exciting stuff go on over the summer in the state of Mississippi golf wise. Absolutely, uh, a whole a whole lot of it, and. Uh, I, you know, I think as a matter of fact, uh, Andy Ogletree from uh, the metropolis of Little Rock, Mississippi, <laughs> is play, playing, uh, be teeing it up later this week in the Walker Cup matches in, in Great Britain. Wow. Uh, yeah, it's sort of a man, what a great story. Winning the U.S. Amateur, I think he was, what was he ranked, 133? Yeah among world amateurs hmm. and uh just just was outstanding in that tournament and then the little uh trolio kid from uh from west point uh making it to the semifinals and you know if it hadn't been Overtree, it might have been him because Overtree had a tough match with him before he won the championship match and then of course the, you know with the, the sanderson farms thing uh, I'm just uh, really, really excited to see how. I mean, we're seeing a much better field already. With two, we're two weeks out, but and and normally the better players wait to the last minute to commit. Uh, but you're already seeing some great players that have uh, committed to play in it. And I was glad to see today that uh, Sanderson Farms. Uh, uh, offered Braden Thornberry a sponsor's exemption so he can play. Yeah, that was a smart move by the tournament, uh, certainly there. And exciting times in the state um, there. And then, Rick, this is just a selfish question because, of course, I follow you on uh, Twitter. My cohort here is shaking. He said, all your <laughs> questions are selfish. <laughs> but Braves baseball, Rick, how, how neat uh, is it to follow this team, not only what they did uh, last year, but what they're putting together this year, just a fun bunch to follow. They really are. Uh, I, what, what makes it really fun for me is, uh, well, I'm, you know, I'm like anybody that grew up in the deep South. I, I grew up watching them, if not live, watching their replays after midnight, mm -hmm. you know, almost every night. But, but then uh, Brian Snicker, the manager, was here in Jackson. Uh, or in Pearl, was the Mississippi Braves manager for a couple years. And you're talking about a guy who really paid his dues uh, 
long time in the minor leagues. He was a journeyman player. And, you know, he got this break to get this job, and, boy, he has made the most of it. He, he, he's just done a wonderful job with the with the Braves, with, with melding a lot of young talent with some older guys and uh, somehow putting together enough pitching to get mm-hmm. it done and handling it the right way. And he reminds me a lot uh, of Bobby Cox, who was another guy that had that kind of background, you know, a journeyman player who spent a lot of time in the minor leagues and turns out to be a great major league manager. Hall of Fame manager in Bobby Cox's uh, case. Absolutely. Rick, when you look at uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. and that talent, does he remind you of anybody when you when you watch him play? Oh, Willie Mays. Hmm. He reminds me of Willie Mays. Wow. And, and I'm talking about not just the fact that he's got that speed, power combination, but I'm also talking about the, the, how much he seems to enjoy playing and how much, uh, well, just just childlike joy he brings to the, to the game. I just, I love watching him. I think he's... Uh, I think he's got a chance to be a uh, uh, Hall of Fame player. Yeah, he is a lot of fun to watch. And I've got a, a nine-year-old at home that doesn't miss an at-bat, and so that makes it even more fun that he's locked into that. I'm sure you've had uh, some experiences along the way with Well, you with your enjoy son. that because <laughs> you enjoy that cause when mine was uh, that age, he watched every Dale Murphy at oh, bat wow. and wore number three in every <laughs> youth league uniform he ever had. And, uh, yeah, so, yeah, I, you, you need to enjoy that while you got it. <laughs> Rick, man, we can't thank you enough. We appreciate you taking time for this little bitty podcast down south, and you've been a good well, friend to us, so thank you. Yeah, well, y'all take care, and, uh, and, and, and uh, good luck with the podcast. I know you if you keep it going longer than a year, you're doing something right. <laughs> well, we, we've managed to do that, Rick, and we're not going to put an age on how long you've been doing this, but you've got uh, 11 sports writers of the year to your to your title there. So we know you've paid it past a year, and we appreciate all the columns and coverage that you've given our state and beyond that. Well, I appreciate you guys. Take care. Thank you, Rick. All right. Bye-bye.